you're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley back for the Supercoach episode of the week for TLT round 15. This week, I'm very, very pleased to have Wilfred Z, a.k.a. Catfish, a.k.a. the champion of about six years ago now, <laughs> and also the co-host of the uh, Champions Podcast, which is fantastic Supercoach podcast for you to get into. But Wilfred came on for a talking Footy episode, I think, last time, about oh, five, six weeks ago. Haven't seen him since, so... Glad to get Wilfred on for a super coach episode, which he's very much a specialist for. So, Wilfred, thanks for making the time to jump back on the All Stars podcast, mate. No worries at all, Barnsley. You know, I'll always try to uh, come have a chat to you about super coach. And yeah, you're right. Six years, long time, ancient history now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it almost, I almost have stopped. I, I wondered whether I should stop mentioning it or not. But, you know, like I, I'll, I'll give it to you still because you've, you've been powering up the ranks. Of late, I've noticed your charge. We were in some comps and things together. So I have noticed you've been going pretty well of late. Oh, actually, yeah, I've actually had a couple of poor weeks, but thankfully not too, like, I mean, I snuck out to a peak that just outside the top 1,000. I was literally one point outside it. And then the last three, four weeks in a row, I've just had slight down red arrows. Uh, I'm now, like, just inside the 1,200 spot. So not too bad. At least I'm not going like drastically backwards, but I was really hoping to crack the top 1,000 by now. Yeah, well, I'm coming for you. I'm running on your heels now because I've actually done the opposite. In the last few weeks, I've, done, I've gone all right and I've got a, a, a 1,300s on the weekend. Although it was a weird weekend, wasn't it? Because like I sort of looked at it and went, oh, man, like I really should have been. I thought with about four or five players left, I was going to be 14-something, maybe even a 14.50 if Hines really went big. And... Then it sort of was a bit deflating to be 1330-odd. Uh, and then I got really, really good green arrows and had a look and it's like, wow, the top score was only like 1503 or 1507 or something. I thought the top score would have been 1650 because there was that many popular purchases that kind of went 100 plus. It, it felt like a really big round, but it actually wasn't as big as what you know it sort of came across as. Yeah, and if you looked at the top 10, they actually didn't have a couple of the top scoring players in it. So that's probably why it wasn't higher than what it actually was in the end. It's a pretty interesting looking team as well. But yeah, it's it's weird because, you know, I scored 12.42 and that was a red arrow for me. And I was like, oh, I thought I'd just, you know, hold hold firm a little bit. But yeah, it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't to be. Yeah, it was a really tight round, I think. Um, and there's, a, you know, it does show as well still, like I say, quite often that there's a lot of room for people to move up quite a bit. Um, and I'm, a couple thousand behind you, but you know it's it's pretty easy to move that up pretty quickly as well and get in that top one thousand. The um, the scores first thing we'll look at quickly, and then we'll talk about strategy, and then we'll go into TLT like we normally do. For those that are listening to the podcast for the first time, uh, this is a Super Coach episode that drops every Wednesday after we have a chat on a Tuesday, and certainly we've got our Talk and Footy episode as well to tune into, which will normally drop around a Friday afternoon. And that one's just footy talk only about everything going on in rugby league, uh, past and present players and so forth and all the gossip and rumours that are happening as well. So you can tune into both of those. But we're going to start off having a look quickly at the round like we started to discuss, Wilfred. Uh, there was, when we're having a look at it, 1,200 plus scores. We haven't seen that for a few weeks. So it was quite big. Uh, and when we're having a look at them, 
it, it's you know, it's a bit of a mixed bag. There was a couple of guys that were really highly owned, like Nathan Cleary at 37%. Uh, and then you've got Ruben Garrick at just under 20%. Uh, but then it, it sort of falls off. There's someone like Tino that was the second best scorer at 123. And he was still 17.6% owned, which I found surprising when I looked at his ownership. But I, I looked at the ownership and everything on this top 12 that scored the 100 plus, and it sort of made a bit more sense to me than what I thought because, you know, you had guys like, oh, Brian Toto um, obviously got 116 points and was the fifth best score. Only 3% owned. Um, Alex Johnston was under 6% owned as well. I thought those guys were higher owned. Uh, and even someone like Ronnie Mulatalo, who I know is one of your favourites, he had the ninth best score at 106. And I think most of us nailed that one on all the podcasts that anyone could listen to. Everyone said Mulatalo was in for a big week. And he's still only 6.5% owned despite being one of the biggest tradings last week. So it, it sort of, it, it was a little bit of a... Uh, I guess a false hope for a lot of teams that, you know, it was going to be a big week for them when in actual fact, when you look at the ownership numbers, it's not as high on some of those players as what we would have thought of. Yeah. I I guess, you know, like Tino scored a double. So he, you know, to hit 123, I mean, Josh Alloway, I mean, Oshe Ole, uh, (laughs) (laughs) he's got the equal third highest score of the round. It's just insane. And obviously top scoring player, Marion Seve, <laughs> 127, but he's been, you know, in NRL terms, he's been really poor. So I I, I guess I can see why. I mean, 329 teams somehow own Seve. <laughs> and you would be cheering teams. top score of the week. <laughs> exactly. And 887 teams own uh, Alloy. So it's that, I find that surprising. I don't know how it's, it must be every manly fan that owns him, possibly, or his uh, his you know his family and cousins and all that. I mean, I have him in a couple of draft leagues, so that that was handy for me this week. But yeah, it's a random one, isn't it? Yeah, it is a strange one. Uh, and look, I was chatting to my brother-in-law uh, yesterday, and I was like, it's funny because uh, Moylan played the Heinz game. You know, all the plays and everything in that Sharks game, Matty Moylan was making them and he scored 101 points. And it was like, man, you, it was like they swapped jerseys for the for the game for you guys because Moylan made all the plays and the Sharks didn't make, and Hines didn't make any. Um, and Moylan came in at 101 points, 1.8% ownership. Somehow 2,600 people owned Matty Moylan. So, yeah, there was a lot of those ones. Um, eight, 80 plus scores. There's 32 of those. And I don't remember the last time this year that I saw that. So it was a high scoring round, but... Again, there just wasn't enough teams that owned um, a large combination of the high-scoring players just because of the ownership numbers and popularity. Yep. Let's chat a little bit about strategy, Wilfred, before we get stuck into the TLT for this round. Um, I think just with the strategy talk this week, we're going to centre it around trade planning. Uh, and I'm going to mention that because I'm having a look at a lot of these teams that have been posted, and I'm sure that you're the same on Twitter and also with the Champions podcast and that your listeners where you see all these teams posted and it's like, oh, these are the moves I want to make, whatever. And you see like, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 trades left. And you see like 10 people they need to trade out in their team. And I've said it so many times to people that, you know, well, you're doing a luxury trade this week. You really need to consider whether you want all this dead wood still in your side, whether you want to not have any depth and run that gauntlet like some teams did last year when there was all these injuries that hit and stuff and all of a sudden teams were playing with 15 or 16 runners for the last two or three weeks. You really want to be careful because there's a lot of teams that have a heap of guys that you would definitely consider a trade out and they need to really happen the next sort of month of footy. So you need to look ahead and say, hang on, if I need to trade these guys out, 
one, who am I going to get in? How many guns can I get in for those guys? And how's it going to look? Because I'm looking at a lot of these questions and, and trades that are happening at the moment, Wilfred, and some of these teams are just going to be really stuck with at least half a dozen guys that are just dead wood that are just going to be stinking it up and they're not going to have the money or the ability to be able to get them to guns or get them out of their side. So, I mean, where do you, I guess, prioritise needing to plan to be able to get these guys out or do you think it's viable to leave, you know, a few of them in? Where do you stand on the on the trade-outs when you've got so many of these guys to get rid of now? Yeah, I think for me, like, uh, you're right. I'm, I'm looking around seeing people talking about trading out the likes of like, your Taylor Mays and Isaac Targos, and I'm like, why? These are some of the best-performing players all season. Sure, they don't cover around 17, but, I mean, Taylor Mays still in the top three for averages at center wing, and he's playing in, you know, one of, if not the best attacking team, and the Panthers have a really solid draw to end the season. Like, he's a no-brainer. You just hold him all season, and I get people are... Uh, you know, getting a bit of super coach FOMO. They they look at the Campbell Grams and the Ronnie Molotalos and all those guys that just went off really well last week and they they're trying to find ways to get them in. And it just it it just feels like they're being really short sighted. They're just looking at, well, what do I want this week? Whereas I, you know, I've I've spoken and you know, we, we like to chat strategy on the champions pod as well. And one of the things we've been talking about ever since, you know, round 11, 12, 13 is planning the trades across this buy period. And, you know, one of the things I did was I I counted very carefully which of these round 13 kind of, you know, fringe guys that you're definitely going to want to trade out. And these are the likes of your, you know, for me, I had like the Tui Pilotos, the Colas, you know, Jacob Kraz, Suwali, you know, uh, for me, I traded out both Firma already. Those guys, which you held because they made money and then they played round 13. But I knew I needed to trade for each of these guys because they're not going to be in my final team. And I, I just see a lot of people trading, you know, even like someone like a Ewan Aitken. I get why he's a, an option to trade out. I also think if you've got someone like a Suwali or Karaz or Kola, you might want to trade one of those guys out first. And if they're not ready to be traded out, just wait a week you know, and then trade them out later when they're peaked in price or whatever, because I'd much rather in round 23 have to roll out a UN8 can, you know, from my bench because um, I've got like two or three injuries or something like that, rather than trying to roll the dice on like a cola or even like Suwali. I get that the matchups could be there and, and I can see the merit in holding him, but if I want to just play a guy at a pinch, like a you and an 80 minute edge back rower, you know, provided he doesn't get knocked out, you know, he's pumping out really solid base and base attack scores there. So there's a lot level of safety there for me. Well, that one's hit me right in the heart, Wilfred. I traded out you and Aiken last week, <laughs> uh, which is fine. Like it's worked out well for you. Cause obviously, you know, he dodged his, his lower score cause he got knocked out and then he's missing yeah. this week. So, but like, you know, it, it's obviously very team dependent. Oh, of course, yeah. It's going to be. Te- it's definitely going to be team to team. And look, what one of the things that I do like to do is, like, I'll rank my guys that I want to um, get rid of. So I'll kind of go, well, you know, if I end up having to keep uh, one of these other fringe guys, and it's not that bad. Like, you know, if Suali's my seventh centre wing, like I can deal with that um, a lot better than Burbo getting a bench roll and scoring seven points off the bench for the rest of the year and absolutely six. no chance of VC. So <laughs> you downgraded yeah. to six, by the way. <laughs> uh, six, sorry, six. <laughs> so I, I think you definitely need to prioritise. And I don't think me or Wilfred are saying you can't have any of these guys have to stick in your team. Like certainly that, you know, 
every year I end up with one or two that I would have liked to have gotten rid of that I didn't, and it's fine. But I always try and prioritize that. So I'm not, I'm not going to have someone that I'm going to really, really hate myself for having to play. You know, like you can imagine having to play a Burbo um, for a couple of rounds at the end of the year because you don't have anyone else left and no trades compared to having to play a U and Aitken like what Wilfred said. Now it might mean that you don't get immediate satisfaction. And it is very human nature and human nature traits. You can times by about 50 when it comes to super coach because it's like they're on steroids <laughs> and they just go through the roof. And it's like, I want to be happy right now. I want to be, I want everything I want. I want it now. Um, but sometimes you just can't. So I'm seeing some of these teams that are really going for two really good trades. But the problem is who they're trading out just isn't worth it. And Wilfred kind of touched on that. And that was the next point about it. Uh, I'm seeing, you know, guys looking at a, Teddy out was one. You know, I was going to mention May, but you already hit on that one. I've seen a lot of people talk about May out. I've seen people talk about Teddy out and to get in a, a drink water or a mulatalo. And it's just like, well, why? It's a trade out that might end up the same amount of points over the next month. And then you're hitting post origin. And the, you know, it's just, and then you've only got 12 trades left. It's just, it's not worth it. So I think that, you know, some of the advice I've given to some of these teams is, Whilst I've seen a lot of teams with Deadwood, I haven't seen many of them that actually have enough. Uh, and I've given that advice to a few, so I'm keen on your thought on that strategy because I think at this point, if you've got you know all these guys to get rid of, then it's sort of fine to go, you know what, I'm going to get rid of a Burbo and a Tui Pilotu and I'm going to get my Mulatalo in, but I'm not going to get that other target in this week. I'm going to just nuff it so I can make that trade. And then you know that sort of starts the cycle of getting guys out and, and getting some guns in, but not going the whole hog. And you end up plus a player doing it that way too, because a lot of people kind of think, oh, but I'm bringing in enough and it, and it sort of ruins my depth. Well, not really, because you're not trading out a Tedesco that you've got to trade out in that trade. So you end up okay doing those sort of moves. So that, that's another way to get around it too, Wilfred, just bite the bullet and realise that you can't have everything that you want and you just have to pick who you like best out of your two trade-ins and maybe look at enough to try and bank some and get rid of those guys as well out of your team. Yeah, I think it's really funny, and, and I'll come to what you were talking about but with the nothing out thing shortly. But, you know, Teddy to Drinkwater was a trade I actually made in round 13. And I think it's actually quite funny because that trade made sense to me that round, but there's no way I would do that trade this round, if, if you exactly. get what I'm saying. Like, yep. you know, for me, round 13 coverage – Drinkwaters has scored 119 and 90 since then. You've really missed two of his biggest scores. They probably might be his two highest scores for this next couple of rounds. And, like, I just feel you've missed that chance already. So do you think Drinkwater is going to score another 119 and a 90 in the next two weeks? If you do, then maybe it's worth that trade. But at the same time, like, there's definitely an opportunity cost now by trading out Teddy and probably probably wanted getting, getting back in in, like, say, round 18 or 19 if he backs up. So to me, I, I think that's that's quite interesting. Like you can have a trade that makes sense just two weeks earlier, but uh, now now not make sense. Obviously, at this round, even though Drinky's got that negative seven break even because uh, those low scores have dropped out of his average. Now with the nothing, like I totally agree because at the end of the day, you're not going to have a squad of twenty five come end of season. It just doesn't work. You can't unless you've been able to somehow hit on every single cash uh, cash, uh, cash cow mm. as well as every single fallen keeper that's just shot up in price or whatever. 
like it's just not possible to to be able to have that much bank and team value to have 25 you know active genuine players most of us end up anywhere from you know 1920 to maybe 2122 depending but that's anywhere from five nuffs to three nuffs so in in you know in counting that like you've going to have at least three to five trades where you're literally just trading out one of these guys to a bottom dollar hopefully dual position guy that just doesn't play and then you, you know like you're freeing up maximum cash getting rid of auto emergency nightmares like your burbos and guys like that and then ultimately just you know concentrating all your all your salary cap into your top hopefully your top 17 but you know top 20 top 21 you want to have three or four guys there that you know, if there's a one or two week injury you don't have to burn a trade on that guy you just sub in someone else especially at center wing where it's usually quite manageable like that yep yep for sure and the other thing too that i think people need to be aware of with their strategy at the moment and for the run home is uh pods now become more important than ever you know, spoken a lot about there's a lot of time for people to catch up and then it's like the buy rounds, you know, there's, you know, you catch up quite a bit of ground there. But then after that, it's really, it's pod hunting that's going to catch you up because it's becomes harder and harder by the week to actually make ground. So when you're making these trades, it's, it's also really important to look at that because like I look at someone like Mulatalo is a, a bad example, but he's really popular at the moment. So he's going to go above the 10% after this week and that's going to come out of pod territory and you need to look at pods as uh, not chasing, you know, someone who's maybe gone well for three or four weeks uh, because those first couple of weeks are really valuable and your drink water example is a really good one because, you know, drink water had a really good run of games for a month and he covered the buy getting him in now. He's still a good trading and I still like him. So he's probably not the best example, but you do miss a lot of the value that you could have had by getting him before. Uh, and likewise, you know, someone like Militalo as well could get towards that in two weeks when people start trading him in. So you really, if you want to try and get some pods in, which I think is important if you have none, it's really important to try and hit on those guys. And a lot of people think about pods as guys that, you know, aren't ever going to be very highly owned, when in fact some of them are really popular players that people just can't get on yet. And you can have them as a pod for maybe two weeks. And those two weeks can catch you up significantly. Uh, and Mulatalo is a great example. He's got 106 points at 6.5% ownership uh, last week. And there's some other examples as well. So certainly pod hunting is the other thing, Wilfred, at the moment that I think teams probably should look more towards. And I say that, you know, going back to what we've said, where teams are just really tearing themselves apart to get rid of good players, to get in someone who's you know, quite heavily owned or been owned or been scoring well for three or four weeks and they're going to jump on now when maybe they need to reconsider whether that's the best move for their team. Yeah, look, totally agree. And that's the thing, like, especially over this buy period and and it when you're pod hunting, you've got to look at also round 17, having a, a really low ownership guy that ends up scoring 100 in a big buy round like round 17 can really pay off. So it, all the more reason to try find genuinely low low own ownership guys who can yeah make a difference not just for round 15 and 16 but like i said round 17 is going to be pretty key yep definitely um now i would also just before we go into tlt just mention to people too uh if you're a head-to-head player make sure that you double check that you're actually going to be playing round 17 uh, because certainly there's some setups where you know custom leagues might not even have games that round uh, and likewise, I just want to correct myself as well. One of the listeners rightly pointed out last week, 
or maybe the week before I was talking about uh, the head-to-head finals and I was mentioning the final round. Head-to-head finals is round 24, okay? It's a big difference because teams that have a really hard final matchup or you're worried about guys getting rested, that's not going to matter this year because all the head-to-head finals are going to happen in round 24. So really important point, and thanks very much for that listener to pointing it out as well. TLT Wilfred, first game, Dragons versus Rabbits. Uh, now this one... We've got Jaden Sewer coming to the starting side. Um, I'm just going to mention that I did put, uh, uh, I don't even want to talk about it. Maguire came into my draft team at the last minute because he was starting oh, last no. week and he scored like eight oh, points. No. It was just a killer. I needed the second round. He got, he got hurt again, right? That's that's why. Uh, so. Yeah. That's, I looked at Sewer as well, but he was coming off the bench and I just went, uh, I, I can't, I'll take the starter. At least he's a worker. he get 50. No. Anyway, I'll be, I'll be, I'll, I'll say though, Maguire. Before he got hurt the first time, he did pump out a quite, quite a few fifties mm. playing on the edge there. So I, I can understand the reasoning. It's just unfortunately this one work, didn't work out because of the injury, and then Sewer obviously got more minutes as a result. So don't beat yourself up about that one too much. <laughs> uh, it was sort of a giveaway week in draft anyway for me. I had that many out. It just and, and Ponga got knocked out as well for me, but. Ah, uh, we digress. Let's let's hit on classic. Uh, there's not huge super coach news in changes for these two teams, but when we're having a look at market watch, uh, Taff is the most traded out out of both teams. He's the eighth most traded at the moment. It makes total sense. So when we're having a look at market watch in, uh, we've got Graham now. Campbell Graham's really interesting, and he might actually be a good example of what we were talking about about jumping on guys late. Uh, I've I've been a huge Campbell Graham fan for years, Wilfred, and I've got him in my side, but I got him in like oh, seven weeks ago or something. Uh, getting him in now, you know, he is probably going to play that round 17 by. He only has a single digit break even, but he's 630,000 and he's coming off a 95 and 119 where he's had the Tigers and the Titans. Now, this is just one of those trades where I think Gamble Graham's a great player. And certainly the Dragons are a good matchup. And I think he's going to score well this week. So I can't really talk anyone out of it. I'm not going to say it's a bad trade at all, but it is one of those ones where you're going to lose a lot of value, I think, even though he's got a good matchup this week. Now, I think you'll go 65 plus comfortably against the Dragons. Maybe you'll get another big score uh, and get to, you know, 95 like he did against the Titans the week before. Scoring 68 for the year. But 630K uh, with a chance that maybe he gets drafted in the origin side and doesn't cover round 17. You know, is this the best time to be getting Campbell Graham? And the other thing that I will bring up with Souths is I've loved their draw and I still like their immediate draw. Dragons this week, obviously, with this game, then Para and then Newcastle and then the Bulldogs. After that, though, it goes to absolute garbage pretty much where I wouldn't be buying any dra- any South Sydney players post-origin. And their last month of footy of the Eels, the Panthers, the Cowboys and the Roosters really isn't very good. And they've got the Storm in round 19 as well at full strength. So um, buying him now, you know, what what would you do with that? Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I was lucky enough, uh, I guess. I didn't get on, get on as early as you did, but I did pick him up last week for his 95. So I was pretty happy with that. I guess this week you'd have to do it with the, yeah, you'd have to have the confidence that he's going to miss Origin. Look, I tend to think he won't, barring he sorry he won't play Game Three uh, Origin unless there's say three injuries to the center position. I mean, feels like Jack Whiten's locked himself into one of those spots there. Latrell Mitchell's not playing this this uh, game two either, but you'd think uh, if he's available for Game Three, he'll come straight in. And 
you know, technically Staggs and Stephen Crichton are both ahead of him as well. So to me, there probably needs to be three injuries before Campbell Grant gets another look in. So I'd feel all right taking that punt if you were getting him this week. I just think, like, his floor has been so good, especially, and it's been better since he moved to left center. Mm. And I think, what, that was maybe five weeks ago now that he shifted over to the left. And his base and base attack, you know, 57 last round, 52, 49, 50, and 46 in the last five weeks. That's, you know, almost as good as it gets in the center wing uh, for uh, someone who's still got a bit of ceiling because he's actually playing in the back line rather than being, a you know, an 80-minute edge back roller. So I get that the, the Rabbitohs have a pretty rough draw come uh, end of season. P- pretty much everything from round 18, like round 18 they get the Bulldogs, but then 19 is the Storm onwards. Aside from the Warriors game, I think, like every other game there is pretty rough. And especially if the Rabbitohs don't get things together and they still struggle, uh, I do, you know, I, I'd worry for his, his ceiling. But, you know, if you can play him every week and he's going to give you a 45-50 score plus the potential, like all he needs is one, you know, one attacking opportunity, one chance to crash over, and he's going to give you 70 plus. He's a pretty safe option to me. So I definitely have no issues if someone wants to pick him up this round. It is, you're going to pay a little bit of a premium. But yeah, like this is probably the last week you'd get him. Yeah, I'd agree with that. If, you, if you're going to have him for round 17, um, it really is this week. So I understand why people are doing it. And I'm not trying to talk anyone out of it. It's just one of those things where I wish I could just grab some of these people three or four weeks ago and say, buy him now. Yeah, because it was it was a lot cheaper and a lot better run and a lot better value that you were going to get out of that. But like Wilfred said, he's not going to have any bad scores. And I think he's a good chance to try this week. And the good thing with Campbell Graham is that when he does score a try, he's probably going to go at least 80 plus, if not more. Um, so only one try for his 119 score with some assists. So he's he's traveling really well. And he is someone who, even when he has the bad matchups, you can throw in because of that great base base attack. So I love Campbell Graham. I, I just, you'd rather have gotten him in before, but you know, he's still going to be a good play this week and hopefully cover the buy for us. There is one other guy here that we should discuss based on the break-evens, Wilfred. Um, one of the lower break-evens in this game is Alex Johnston. He's got a 13 break-even at the moment. He's someone who I loved last week. Like, I actually went and said, you know, I'll, I'll go one step further on how good he's going to go this week and what, I actually want to VC him if I owned him. Couldn't get him. I had, like, three center wings, Wilfred, that I wanted to get in, and Alex Johnston was one of them, and obviously I couldn't do that, and I ended up getting none of them, by the way. But um, did everything that you thought that he was going to do last week against the Titans. Scored a hat-trick, and it's quite remarkable that two games in a row, Tigers-Titans, he scored a hat-trick in both, and he scored exactly the same points at 114 apiece in each of those games. <laughs> against the Tiger, against the Dragons, he, he could easily uh, score a double, uh, and he's on a run of games now where the last where he's, he didn't score in round nine, but aside from that, the last time he didn't score at least one try was round five. So he's obviously a noted try scorer, but every time he's been scoring tries since then, he's scored at least 50 points. So you know, five-round average of 80, three-round average of 94, everyone's jumping for a Campbell Graham, everyone's jumping for a Mulatalo. Alex Johnston is not owned by very many people at all. And he's 657000 He is now probably too expensive for me to grab. But, geez, 605 last week you could have had him for for that Tigers game. And 540 k in round 11 for that Canberra game. He's someone that might have gotten by. But if you're someone with a lot of trades, 
and you're looking at um, this immediate next few weeks of footy, Alex Johnson is on a tear and he could be the pod over all these popular buys in this one. Yeah, look, I can certainly see the reasoning to that. It's definitely a situation, though, because he's got such a low floor. After round 18, I'd be trading him out. So I wouldn't want to have him lingering and, and, Need and the hanging trades. around. My, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't want him hanging around in my center wing because I just can't see maybe the Warriors game. Uh, but outside of that Warriors game, I'd like unless I'm devastated through injuries in the center, in the center wing, I just can't see myself ever wanting to play him against you know the Storm, the Sharks, maybe the Eels, uh, not the Panthers, not the Cowboys, not the Roosters. So, you know, you might roll him out after round 18 one more time for the rest of the season. And that's a, like he, he could be 700 grand by then. Uh, and you'd want to be able to cash in on that. So, yeah, if you get him, definitely have a trade ready to potentially, like, you know, if, if Teddy doesn't back up round 18, Alex Johnston to Teddy in round 19 could almost be a, a straight swap. So, That'd be a, a little, you know, a nice little trade package there. Uh, but, yeah, you definitely need to have the trade in hand to, to get him out. If you don't, then look Campbell, Campbell Grant's way if you want to Rabbitohs back. Yep, 100% agree. And this is where it really is. We mentioned team-specific in, in the strategy chat. This is where it becomes really team-specific. You know, there's teams that still have, like, 20 trades left. These are the sort of trades that those teams should be making. Let's buy Alex Johnston for three weeks and cover the buyers of Port. Uh, then let's sell him out. Uh, that's the sort of trades that you can make when you've got those extra trades up your sleeve. Uh, last one for this game, another pod, but a bit of value pod. Uh, Keon Kalamatangi, under 500,000 now, has a 55 BE, so it's basically bottomed out. Love him this week against the Dragon's Edge. Um, the Eels you know, played terrible last week. He's then got them, and then he does cover the bye. And then he does hit that fantastic Bulldog's edge. So the next month for South isn't too bad and isn't too bad at all for him. He scored 69 points last week, Wilfred, against the Gold Coast Titans. Another one where you pinpoint as a really good edge game for him to be running at. But before that, he was really underwhelming. You know, he's gone 48, 37, 43 and 40. And that's in 80-minute games. So you would have expected a hell of a lot more from him than what he was producing over that run. Before that, he was pretty solid, even though he was scoring a lot of tries. So he's a bit of a risk-reward one where you might be getting really good coverage in round 17 and you might be getting really good scores for the next month, but he is also someone that could have a really bad floor as a second row. But he's starting to become a little bit of value to take a punt. And I know that I looked at him just because, one, I like the Dragons matchup this week, but two, I, I really had to get someone that was under 500K in the Ford pack. And he was one of the very few guys that sort of turned up in my search. Yeah, look, I, I won't lie. I've also been looking at him just because, like you said, the price tag is really, really nice. I, you know, I get that for four rounds before this last round of sixty nine, his work rate had been down, but you know, sixty nine and base and base attack this round is in eighty minutes is fantastic. I don't know how much of that was just because, like, they were targeting that edge, uh, but. It, it is very unpredictable, isn't it? Because he's not on Cody Walker's edge. You got to rely on Lachlan Ilias and, and obviously Cookie using him uh, on the right side there. So look, he's not going to be a, a home run. But at the same time, if the worst of what he's dishing up is what you got the four rounds prior to this, if you end up stuck with Kaloa Matangi as a you know your fourth or fifth uh, second rower, if he dishes out you know a forty, forty three, thirty seven, forty eight, if you have to play him in a pinch, that's not so bad. 
And you'd think with some of the tougher games, like even against the the Panthers and the Roosters earlier this year, he's got 86 against the Roosters, 48 against the Panthers. So he can still score decent against the tougher teams. It's just maybe he had a bit of a lull there and, you know, he's getting getting back into gear and then maybe that work rate's going to increase again. I honestly don't mind him as a bit of a dart throw just because, again, they, they have that pretty favorable round 17 uh, matchup against uh, the Knights. Like him running at Anthony Milford, if he's playing on the left, uh, or, or, you know, even if it's Jake Clifford, honestly, either of them could be pretty easily targeted in defense that round. If he scores a try and goes 100 plus, then you're laughing. Oh, I'm coming around on him as well just because of the value. There's a couple other guys I'm going to chat about as alternatives um, down the track in this podcast. Uh, look, VC options, you know, would you throw a, a dart at Campbell Graham in this one? Uh, Cody Walker's obviously another one. Like for me, I think in other weeks I would have because it's the first game and it is a good matchup against the Dragons. But it is at Wynn Stadium, which is a bit harder. And it's also around where there's a couple other options. So I think that we just bypass the VC on this one. Yeah, I, I tend to agree on that one. Top spot bit of the week. Look, I like the the South Sydney Rabbitohs at $1.48, but instead of just doing that, you know, just throw it on Alex Johnston. Honestly, I cannot believe that Top Sport has him at $1.65 to score a try anytime. It is money for jam. He's basically doing that 90% of his games plus $1.65 is a given for AJ, so get on that one. Second game doesn't have as much interest, so won't be as much time on this one, but Manly versus Cows. As far as changes for these sides go, the Seagulls have got Daly Cherry Evans back, which is Schuster back to the bench. So that's really annoying for Schuster owners because you know, he, he starts and he looks good, but then he just ends up at the bench every second week anyway. Um, ben Trevojevic goes to the reserves. Hopefully he doesn't come in. And if he doesn't, it means that you probably can just leave him there for another week if you need to. But on the Cowboys front, we've got Ruben Cotter and Nanai returning, uh, which is great news for the Cowboys. Unfortunate for Halem uh, Lukey, who's out and he's replaced by Lemon Lely. Oh. Butchered that one. <laughs> I think it's the <laughs> That'll do it, Wilfred. Thank you. Uh, but most trained out for this one, first of all. You know, Burbo, number two, got to get rid of him. He's going to be an AOE nightmare. Prioritise getting him out unless he's not playing this week and then you can wait. Uh, Tui Pilotu, another one that needs to go, fifth most trained out, and obviously Lukey um, is done. So that all makes complete sense. Nothing to talk about there. But on market, what's traded in? The resurgence of Jason Tomalolo has been quite remarkable and he's now the second most traded in player. Um, I said last week I didn't mind it because of the value at 450k, but, you know, I I wouldn't prioritise it, you know, if you had other ones um, to make, especially when he doesn't play the round 17 by. He's followed up his round 13 80-point display and scored 89 points against the Dragons. Now, I was really confident he was going to play well against the Dragons, but 89 points is massive. Um, he played 73 minutes, and now the last two weeks he's gone 73 and 66 minutes. Wilfred, he had 59 and 60 in base the last two weeks. He's still only 472,000, and he's now got a negative break even. It's going to be interesting to see against Manly this week because, one, Manly is a really good matchup. I, I love you know the, him running at those forwards, those edges, and those slow forwards in the middle sometimes for Manly. Tom Alolo could carve up and he's looking vintage. But at the same time, his minutes are going to be interesting this week, isn't it? Because they do have Cotter back and they do have Nano back. So their origin guys are back in the full rotation. Will his minutes still be up there? I don't think they will be, but maybe we're seeing a resurgence for Lolo and he's a good buy. It's a tough one for me because it's very, uh, it hits me very hard. In round 13, I considered when Panga was out doing a Panga to Lolo trade and I didn't 
and I have slight regrets there. <laughs> He's obviously been great, obviously, in round 13 and, and round 14 with no Cotter and Nanai backing up. I, you know, the, the Lukey injury, as unfortunate as it is for Helam, uh, it, it's obviously handy for Lolo minutes-wise. Unless these Luciano Leilua rumours, you know, become sorted out. Uh, the latest I've seen is that they may, the Cowboys may not actually have the salary cap to be able to fit him in for the rest of the season. So, you know, if he comes back in, I do think Lolo's minutes will be capped, basically. You know, you, you're going to get caught on as much as he, he can be on the field for. And the Cowboys are paying a fair bit of cash to to have Lucy there. So I, I think that's probably one of the question marks I'd have. At the end of the day, though, Lolo's never really going to play less than, it seems, like around 50 minutes at this stage. So if he's getting 60, 65 every week, then, you you know, you'd be happy with that. One thing I will say is because as he's kind of evolved his game this year, he's become more of a ball player. And that's why he's got that, you know, some of those attacking stats that he's uh, had Mm -hmm. the last few weeks that have actually bolstered his score. And, you know, it's it's funny because I've said this and it sounds weird, but I said for Lolo to play 74 minutes or whatever he did last round and only have, uh, you know, an 89 score, I think, with a line break and a line break assist and, a try contribution in there. Normally when he plays that many minutes with those attacking stats in there, he's gone 110 plus. Mm. So it's almost funny that I actually thought, well, we got out of this uh, as in, you know, non-Lolo owners. Uh, I won't say unscathed, but it could have been so much worse is the way I looked at it. <laughs> well, that's 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 an extreme non-owner uh, glass half full viewpoint from Wilfred there. <laughs> uh, look up. Oh, one of the other things that I mentioned last week is that I was certain he was going to get a try last week or the week before against the Titans because he hasn't scored a try yet. And so even though his playmaking is up and stuff, it's maybe reduced that. You know, he's not going to go through the next half of the season and not get a try. You know, he's got 11 rounds of footy left or 10 rounds yeah. because he doesn't play the bye. And in that 10 games, he's going to score at least once. And I'd say, you know, I'd say he scores at least twice myself. So you might be in a situation with two to three out of the next 10 games, Lolo goes over for a try. And that's pretty enticing when you consider what he's doing at the moment uh, with his scoring anyway. So at four... He's a great buy at the price. That's that's for sure. Yep. It's just, I think if you're overall, you've always got to think about round 17 and, you know, would would you pick up someone that, like if you buy Lolo and trade him in, is he at every week play for you? Uh, well, he probably is for most people, but if he's not, then, you know, what, what's the other alternative there? Like, do you have someone else that you want to pick up around 17 that would be an every week play? And then you got to, I think you just got to project and see how many points that they would score for your 17 each week compared to what Lolo could dish up when you do play him. Yeah, look, I think a lot of the advice that I've given on Tom and Lolo the last couple of weeks is like he's a decent buyer, but he, he's not like the greatest. But most of the advice I've given to teams to buy him when I've seen their teams is that he's actually been a big downgrade option. And that's helped. And even this week, you know, with Payne Huss getting sold a lot, which we're going to talk about, you know, if you can use that 60 or 70K from a Payne Haas to a Lolo and upgrade a different position, um, like a Tui Pilotto to a, a Ronnie Militalo, then that's a win because, I, I, you know, you could argue that for the duration of the year, Tom Lolo is going to pump out what Payne Haas will. And you, know, you get the, the downgrade money for that to upgrade elsewhere. So I think that's where Lolo's big value is. And the fact that he's not going to hurt you, even if you have to leave him out of your 17 some weeks. And he's he's now got that dual position versatility of second row, front row forward. So I haven't been massive on like have to get Lolo, 
But his value has been gaining steam for the last couple of weeks and the Cows still have a really good draw, especially for someone who needs to score some tries soon. So, yeah, I, I quite like him this week against Manly. I, I think that he's another 70-plus this week versus Manly. So I, I couldn't say, that, you know, the second most traded-in player shouldn't be getting traded in, but Ola Kawatu is the seventh most traded-in player for this game. And he's been absolutely killing it. You know, we, we, we sort of saw the stats of without Turbo and with Turbo, and it suggested, you know, without Turbo, he was killing it, but you didn't really know what to make of that because, you know, hey, you know, it's smaller sample sizes and all that sort of stuff. But then you look at it the last couple of weeks, you know, wow, against the Warriors, he went 86 with a try. And against the Tigers, he went 112 with a try. And his possessions definitely increased significantly. And he's only played 69 and 59 minutes the last two weeks, which is the only downside uh, where he's you know, not playing the full 80, but he's still absolutely carving. And he's getting mass tackle breaks, like 10 tackle breaks in a game. He's just killing it. 630,000. He is a fully fledged keeper, only a BE of 20. And he does have the Cowboys in the storm the next two weeks and then the buy, though. So I kind of think, even though his BE is a little bit lower, if you want to hit that buy, um, playing the Cowboys this week isn't the best. And he has had tries the last two weeks, which I'm not sure he's going to get against the stingy Cowboys or storm defense in round 15 and 16. So. Look, he's been fantastic. I've really hated not having him, and he is definitely a buy to to get in and keep for the run home. But there there is some suggestions that you could just wait and get him, you know, post round seventeen. Yeah, I think I totally agree with that. Uh, again, similar to you, it's been painful watching him <laughs> go off like he has and and just absolutely smash. Uh, I also don't have him in my team. If you didn't guess that, but yeah, it's just it's it's rough. I think. Um, the timing is, is a tough one, as you pointed out, two difficult matchups and then missing the, the, the round 17 uh, bye and then yeah, you'd think he'd be safe for the rest of the run home. I mean, you'd, you'd almost say on form he deserves to play Origin, but I think that's kind of unlikely, right? <laughs> he came... I think that I saw that he's turned his back on the Blues. Um, I'm pretty sure. Official? Yeah, he, he said, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that he pledged his allegiance um, to um, Tonga. Fair enough. And it's funny because he, he came out, I thought, on social media with uh, he celebrated the Maroons winning game one. Uh, I saw that. He yeah, said he's yeah. a you know, Maroon since, since birth or whatever. So it's, I think it's safe to say that Freddie probably won't pick him with that kind of allegiance there anyway, uh, which is obviously a, a not great for the Blues since they, they could do with him, I reckon. Uh, he, oh, look at these smug Queensland supporters. Oh, look, no, they no. win one game. Sorry, no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, on, on paper, you'd have to say picking Olakuatu is much better than picking Tariq Sims. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not even a, a look at how well Queensland did things. This is just purely looking at the teams going, well, Tariq Sims probably needs to go. Like, this guy fits in perfectly in his spot, so... Yeah, look, I, I think he's he's always always going to be a good buy. I think averaging eighty seven right now from from the six games he's played without Turbo in the team, it's just yeah, just uh, really really impressive there. So I, I do mm-hmm. tend to agree. Probably wait. He's not going to shoot up price wise to a point where you can't afford him post Origin. I reckon. Uh, I just think yeah, it's just a next two matchups plus the buy is, is not ideal. Like that's what I wouldn't want to sign up for at six hundred thirty two k or whatever he is now. And when you're doing your planning, you know, one thing that you need to consider is that if you're hitting that round 17 buy, you're going to have a lot of guys from round 17 you're going to want to trade out. So that's when you go, okay, well, this this round 17 forward that I've 
had for the last, you know, 10 weeks or whatever, I'm going to trade out and get Olaquatu in for the run home. You're going to have a lot of guys ready to trade out after round 17. And the next three weeks, he's not going to score that many points. I'm, I'm happy to put my hat on. Um, drink water. The other one, 580,000 actually has a negative break even again. Now, I mentioned, you know, the value for drink water was really, you know, getting him a month ago, but I still think that he does have tremendous value as long as you're not going like Tedesco to drink water. But I've seen some other setups where people might have like a cola, a cola in their, at their um, fullback spot um, or even a Manu where they can move him to set a wing and, and trade to Ipolotto out or something like that. Uh, I think he's a great trade-in. Um, I, I've had him for a month now and he's been fantastic. I love it. Uh, and at 580,000, he's actually not going to break the bank, but he does have that ton upside with with three tons already. But last week against the Dragons, he scored 90 points. So I really like it. Um, and I've said to a lot of teams, you know, the Cows still have a really good run, even though he doesn't play around 17. And you can actually leave him there. Like if you've got the space and say, you know, at 5'8", you're set on Munster for the run home, you could easily have drink water as your second 5'8". You could put him at your fullback spot and move him to there to get Pappenhausen in later. So I really like drink water and I may very well keep him for the run home myself because the cows have a really good draw. And I love him this week, like against Manly, um, you know, Manly's been playing well, but I still think, you know, early in the round, he's still a VC option because one of the things with him, Wilfred, and maybe I'm a little bit too positive on drink water, is, you know, he's got those scores of 119 two weeks ago and 113 and 102, though you'd sort of look at those and go, well, look, I don't really want to VC that because I need him to go more. But I watched games like last week against the Dragons where he went 90 and I go, well, he could have done so much more. Like he made a couple of errors. He could have easily gotten another try or another TSLBA and he would have gone like the 120. And it looked like that was quite easily for him, easy for him to do. So I do think um, this week against Manly, you know, he is a VC option and you're getting him in at 580,000, depending on obviously who else you own. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really on board with the drink water trading this week, provided that you have the right team to accommodate it and it's not going to ruin your future halves or fullback plans. Yeah, uh, I couldn't um, agree more on that. Like that negative seven break even means he's very safe to pick up for the next two weeks. And, you know, if he obviously doesn't help with round 17, but he could easily be a two-week play. And then, you know, if if the timing's right, you end up going drinky to, to Teddy if you didn't have him or, or to Pappenhausen or whatever. That's one option, or you know, there's a there's a world where he just is a, a season long keeper, stashman five eighth or something like that, or even at, at you know, you reserve fullback position. I definitely could see that being an outcome too. Like if you got stuck with him because you ran out of trades, I mean, dual position that's that's really handy, and you know, be able to cover those spots is is helpful. Uh, the one thing that I've um, you know realized that you know the update trade little. Uh, function that you mm-hmm. get these days, you can actually, if you've got Heinz, Drinkwater, and Ezra Mam, you can actually shuffle them between the spots quite easily using the update trade function. Yeah, there's it, a lot of good things that that now gives you, which you, I think people are too scared to kind of play around with yet, but there's a lot of stuff like that that it gives you that it makes it really easy to update your team. Yeah, for example, like I've got Heinz at halfback, Mam at 5'8", and Drinky at fullback. I can actually use an update, update trades function, actually swap that to end up with Mam at halfback and then Pines at fullback and then Drinky at 5 eighth. And that way you can sometimes shuffle around your VC and your C options to be able to, you know, have that flexibility. Yeah, so it's actually quite 
quite interesting. If you've got that combo, give it a give it a whirl and see what you can do as well. But uh, yeah, sorry, a bit of a tangent there. No, no, it's a, it's <laughs> a really like, good point, and it's early in the round too, where you might want to um, shift those guys around. So uh, it's definitely a good point. Um, Drinkwater would be my VC in this one potentially, depending on who else you own. But on top spot bit of the week, cows are a dollar sixty. I'm all over that one. I think they're going to do manly in. But I want to talk about this next game because it's Wilfred's Broncos <laughs> playing the Storm. Uh, interesting matchup because you know the Storm. Grant Anderson holds his spot with Pappenhausen contracting COVID. So he's now not going to play for the Storm this week. We have to wait on him. But for the Broncos, Adam Reynolds' ribs gone. Tyrone Roberts starts, which isn't great. And Kirk Capel is returning, which is nice. Um, but then you've got Stags back as well, which is good, but he's still nursing that shoulder. Um, Branko Lee retains his spot because Farnworth is out for the year with a bicep injury. Uh, Cobo's back. Then we've got Corey Pax out as well. Um, it's Peyton Huss has been named, but you know, he he could easily end up being out. He's got to face a late fitness test for this one. So Wilfred, your Broncos are very wounded at the moment. Uh it's a it's a tough week to be wounded going to Amy Park to play the storm. I looking at the trade outs, Peyton Haas is arguably the Broncos' best player in both real life and also in Supercoach. He's the most traded out player. Oh, I don't want to be Captain Hindsight on all this stuff. I, I, one of the good moves that I did make uh, was that I did decide to trade out Payne Haas uh, a month ago or whatever when he was first inkling towards a shoulder problem. It, it, it's been good. You know, the last five rounds, he's got a 51 average. The last three rounds, he's got a 51 average. He's not scoring well at all. He's got a 90, 90s BE. So certainly when you have a look at it, he only got to through 28 minutes last week. I'd be surprised if he actually plays this week, but if he does, there's a big chance it's going to be reduced minutes. He just does not look um, great at all. Having said that, if you sell him, you know, you've allowed him to drop to now 538,000, um, which is a good 120K off, you know, where he's peaked at and probably where his value should be. So if you've got the money, um, certainly I can see it as a really good trade out because he's not going to play round 17 regardless and he might not even play this week. And I do think at the moment, the shine on Huss's um, super coach pedigree has worn off a little bit and you kind of have to question on how well he's going to have this second half of the year. Um, so I think that, again, like Tom Malolo, we just spoke about 70,000 less. You could get by by trading out Payne Haas to Tom Malolo and just not go, having to go back to a Payne Haas. So completely get trading him out. Uh, I think the problem for a lot of teams, though, is that he's only worth 538,000 now. Yeah, look, I, I again can't can't disagree with any of that. It's just a, a team specific one. If you've got a couple of trades in the bank that you can spare, then he's a perfectly fine trade out. I do like for me, you know, I'm running low, so I'm just going to hold firm and, and just you know, I've got enough cover. I think with Max King and and uh, obviously you know Isaiah Papali and stuff like that in the front row to be able to cover. So, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to hold, but, yeah, very team-specific. If you don't have that depth at front row forward, then, it, well, you know, the Lolo trade makes sense. There's some other options that you could look to move him to if, you, if you've got a bit of cash in the bank as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, you know. He, he was scoring quite well, basically. I think, you know, even though he played 28 minutes, I feel like he did nothing for the last five because he'd hurt his shoulder and he was just kind of nursing it through, trying to get through, you know, 30-odd before he came off. Uh, like he, his his thirty odd score or whatever he'd scored that in twenty minutes, so he was going at a really nice PPM. And like I again, you know, he's he wasn't looking the best he's looked this year, but he certainly looked more improved than what he had when he first did his shoulder 
a couple of weeks before then. So I, I felt like he was building to a solid 70 plus score, uh, you know, if he got his usual minutes, but yeah, unfortunately that, that injury put, put paid to that. From what I was hearing anyway, it seemed like the left shoulder was definitely, you know, getting towards the end of it. He was healing up mostly. Uh, they'd been able to nurse that through. So this fresh injury is, is, you know, not ideal, but it also sounds like it's, it, it's the right shoulder is not as bad as what the left shoulder was. So, you know, it's all, it's all very airy fairy because we just don't know for sure. Uh, you'd think if he plays game two, it's not going to help either. Uh, if he doesn't play origin two, then that would be fantastic because that gives him three weeks to rest both shoulders. And, you know, that could be all he needs to recover and build that strength and, and uh, be able to play the rest of the season much better. But yeah, I, I can, can't see him getting all that time off. So I, it comes down to trades, really. Yeah, and like if he's playing Origin, I could very much see him resting after Game Three, uh, especially if the Broncos are still reasonably well placed in where they are on the ladder. I could see the Broncos just starting resting because at the moment it does look like they've been pushing him through. You know, he had a painkiller and stuff and everything else. Like, and it seems like at some point they're going to have to say, well, you know, if we need to not play you for two or three weeks, we're going to have to do that because otherwise it's just not going to get better. Um, so I'd be pretty worried. I'd be selling him. Um, it's just, again, uh, Captain Hindsight here, it's just a shame that he didn't do it earlier. But it was one of those risky moves that, that paid off for me, but it could have blown up in my face too because he could have come good and scored 70-plus every round. Coates and Stags, they're also in the top 10 most traded out, but we're not going to talk about them because they should be traded out, I think. And Marco Watin is much more interesting. Anderson from the Storm. Now, he has gone absolutely ballistic last week and good on him. It was great to see all of his uh, family and friends and everything um, just getting around him. I think there were 65 odd people that ended up coming to see him on debut. Great story, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. So Grant Anderson scored 84 points on debut with his double and he's a bottom dollar guy at 175,000. Really good story. He's been named again. Uh, Pappenhausen down at least another week, which would shuffle the back line. So, you know, you think he's going to play this week. He's going to play against the Broncos and the Broncos, as we said, are fairly decimated. So he could be in for another try this week, another decent score. It is jumping on a week early, Wilfred. He is the most traded in player at the moment by far. I think that's because everyone is searching for a downgrade to free up cash for their second trade. So it does make some sense in that regard. And also, I guess people are hoping that he's going to play for round 17 and then get his first rise as well. But for you, you know, for me, I'd like, I'm, I'm not going to look at it this week at all. Even for downgrades, I'm going to look at other ones to do potentially instead. Uh, I just think there's too much volatility with, with Grant Anderson at the moment. Uh, and I, even though he's got a good matchup this week, I just wouldn't play him. And I think that most teams would have better centre wings to play that are more solid than uh, throwing Grant Anderson in there. So I, I do kind of get it where, where teams are desperate, but I, I wouldn't recommend it or do it myself. Yeah, I... I definitely agree. I, I, I see it there as a definite risk. And, and people are saying, like, even if he drops out, if Papanazzi comes back and, well, originally it was going to be this round, but even if it's dropping out for round 16, they're backing him to be back for round 17. I just don't think there's any guarantee of that being the case. So I just think you're better off waiting until the third game so you at least guarantee some cash there first. And then also that... Uh, you're hopeful that you can see what happens once Pappenhausen's back in the team, whether that means he keeps his spot, whether he's there instead of someone else or something like that. 
I mean, it'd be great if he ends up taking over, say, Seve's spot or whatever, and he plays the rest of the season, or Eremia's spot or whatever. Uh, you know, he would be a fantastic option at that price and, and with obviously around 17 coverage, but it's just, yeah, I would just be patient one more week and then you can hopefully get a better idea of where he sits on the pecking order. Mm. Yeah, that's where I'm at on him, but I will I will put forward an argument from a slightly different perspective on, on doing it. Uh, I guess some teams may be looking at it from the point of view that they were going to nuff anyway and they're looking at it as a strategy. Well, if I'm going to nuff, I could get him and if I do end up with a spare trade at some point and he does get games, at least he'll go up in money. And if he does play at any point, he'll probably not do too badly on the end of a storm back line and he's not going to be someone that comes off the bench. So maybe, you know, there's an argument for that, that if somebody did want enough to a bottom dollar guy, then they may as well just throw in an Anderson because of what might change down the track. Yeah, that's that's very fair as well. Uh, Ezra, your boy. How good is he? <laughs> oh, what a cracking first three games. I don't remember very many rookies that have come in and had three super coach games at an average of 83 points. 89, 81, and 79. He's been safe as a bank. Two out of three, he scored a try. His highest scoring game of 89, he actually didn't even get a try. So he's gone up almost 150K in his first week. He's still got a minus 50-odd break even. So he's absolutely flying. And he's someone who I lamented on what I was going to do last week. And then when it came out, stress fracture for Gramble and sort of a month on the sideline, I sort of went, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it now because that's enough for me to push me over the edge. Um, and it, it worked out. I ended up playing him as well. So it worked out quite well. We had that discussion as well where I was almost going to bench him, but I didn't. Um, worked out great. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, he was already in before I even I'm raised kidding, that. I'm hey. kidding. <laughs> Uh, but look, Ezra Man's gone great. Um, he's even his base, you know, as a rookie half, twenty-eight base is good, and he does get the tackle breaks and everything. So you know, his base base attack's really solid. He is one of the top trading players this week. I am going to mount a, a counter argument to actually getting him in, though. I'm not going to say he's terrible to get in, but people are looking for downgrade and throwing him in there. Um, there was every chance that Gamble, because it will be a month past, could come back in round seventeen. So that might be a slight risk. Um, but the other thing too is that he's just gone up it, probably his biggest rise. He's got that 89 that drops out of his break, his uh, three-round rolling average now. And he's coming up against a storm at Amy Park where, you know, I'm sorry to say it to a Broncos fan, Wilfred, but there's no way I'd play him. And I think that the Broncos could get towed up badly with the, the outs that they've got. And they go away to Townsville to play against the Cowboys, which is also going to be a pretty tough trek. So the next two weeks I couldn't play as Ramam. And that negative break even can get eaten up pretty quick. So I, I just think that if you missed out on that first break even, that first big price rise, and he's got these next two games coming up, and there's a chance that he might miss 17, I think that there's a decent argument that you just leave him now because you've kind of missed a lot of the value. I can definitely see that. Uh, I mean, the counter argument, I suppose, is that you're banking on him having kept that spot and he'll be there for the rest of the season as of 5-8, and, and, you know, we've seen he's very super coach friendly. I mean, I've said it from the outset, you know, even when you watched his initial highlights, I was like, look, this is prime Anthony Milford playing 5-8. It's the same game. He runs the ball, he bust tackles, he's got the offload, and he's got the attacking flair. And, you know, you, know, you guys know that I love my Milford. <laughs> uh, and, and Ezra Mam is as close as it gets super coach wise um, as a 5-8 there. So, 
there's a genuine possibility if he keeps that spot for the rest of the season, you might not actually need to cash in on Mam. You don't have to trade him out potentially because he could match what some of the other more recognized five eights currently are doing. I mean, I'm not not talking Munster, but you know, like he he's outscoring Cody Walker. He's done better than Dylan Brown lately. It, do you back him to continue it on? I mean, if you see it as as possible, then you know that's the dice you might roll, and and he could be that pod come end of season because everyone else has cashed him in. Yeah, I mean, they do have the Storm twice more, um, which isn't great. They've got some good games in between, though. Certainly around 17 and 18, like if he's won that job, you, you're going to have him in the bye for the Dragons, and then you're going to have him backing up against the Titans. And then uh, after playing Power, they hit the Tigers. So there's certainly a good run of games. I, I think that the final sort of five-odd weeks of footy isn't great for them. Uh, but look, it's, it's not the worst trade-in. I just, again, I think that you've lost a lot of value by doing it and there's a few little risks there um, that you probably need to be aware of. Um, I'm not sure if I would do it this week for sure. Uh, I did it last week, though, and I was pretty sold on it. I do agree that he's really super coach friendly, but you'd be sitting in this week, obviously, surely. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, even without all our outs, I mean, the Storm just have the wood over the Broncos. We haven't beaten them since 2015. <laughs> That's a big stat. That's a it's huge, man. That's a very big. <laughs> it just it doesn't matter how good we're playing. The storm just flog us. Even in 2016, like I think what the Broncos made the prelim, and I think even then we had a we had a game where the storm put 40 on the Broncos that year, and they were still one of the top defensive teams. It just I don't know what it is. Like the storm just love beating up the Broncos, and especially the last two years. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm not expecting a fight much, unfortunately. Well, like one of the other things in this game as well, if you look at it that way and you think the Storm are going to go fantastic and someone like Ezra is going to struggle, I'm going to talk about someone nowhere near as talented and probably never will be. But uh, Marion Sevo, <laughs> I know that you lamented his, uh, his performances before. His first three games this year from round 10 were pretty poor, 40, 30 and 37. But he did play Penrith, uh, the Cowboys and Manly when they had Turbo, I think, still. Uh, so, look, it's yeah, not the best few games for him. But then against the Roosters on the weekend, he scored 127 points. And what, what was actually a, a fairly tight match most of the way? Uh, 127 is a massive improvement. He's gone up accordingly now, costs 370000 But he's still in the similar sort of price range as what some of Ezra Mam is. And he's going to probably play around 17 unless he gets dropped. But the key is that against the Broncos this week, he's, he's probably going to go quite well. I think that he's up against Brenko. Am I right there? Um, if he's playing uh, right centre, then he will be up against Franco this week. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so, I mean, that looks really good for him. And he's got a negative 35 BE. So, again, reasonably similar to what someone like Mam does. But the thing with him is that at the moment, for his break-even, he's got a 37 and a 127. The 37 is going to drop out and it's going to be 127 and whatever he scores against the Broncos this week, which oh, I think you'll get a try. And that, that'll be 60 plus. And then all of a sudden he's got another break even that's going to be, you know, even better than his negative 35 odd. So he's someone that could actually sneakily be a, a downgrade just like Ezra, but it's not going to mean that you're with some team builds, you know, there's teams that are like trading out a gun. You know, again, I bring up Teddy. Um, there's other guys, even still there's people that are trading Hines out. Like that's those spine players in your halves or your fullback spot for Supercoach are so valuable. Whereas center wing, like it's so easy for you to go to Pilotto to a Seve. You know, and you get the round 17 cover, someone with a negative break even. 
and someone who might score very well this week or even be playable as a massive, massive pod. And you can, you know, on sell for 100K plus post round 17. So it's a bit of a different way to make the money. It, it's a, there's definitely a risk because he's not very good. But the numbers are all there to say that it actually could work out. I, I, I can definitely see the path. Uh, my, my comment earlier was that he's just been so poor in defense. And that's something that doesn't really come through in the super coach stats and, and general stats. But uh, I think of all the storm players, he's only played four games for them and he's, he's got six try courses and five line break courses basically. So that's where, you know, the, the stats are determined where it's his fault that six tries have been scored on him. Uh, he now, might cause a few though on Branko Lee though, mate. He might, he might, but that's what I'm saying. Like my concern is really the job security. If Grant Anderson mm. is playing well, like, He's the surveys one of the guys I think could drop out. So you say he should play round 17. I don't know. Like if he drops out for Grant Anderson, it could very well happen. That's, that's, I guess my concern with that. So yep. I can see it for a two round cash ground for sure. Cause he's got that nice negative break even and 127 for two weeks, but yeah, it's not without risk and it's not because of the numbers. It's just because, you know, Craig Bellamy doesn't, doesn't, you know, he, he won't cop it if, if Sammy lets another two tries in or whatever. He would have played five games and almost let in two tries per game. So, yeah, that's the risk I think you'll find for Seve. Yeah, and there's definite risk there. It's not a um, it's not a definite move or anything, but it's certainly for those ones looking for a risk or like if you – I will even say like if you're going to trade out a, a gun, a halves or fullback spot, to get in ma'am just because you need to downgrade you need to be looking at other stuff like a seve even if it doesn't work it's better to downgrade a tui Pilotto, in my opinion to a seve and have it not go that well than to downgrade to an you know an ezra ma'am and not be able to play them the next two weeks and have them in your spine like obviously wilford there's teams that have someone useless like a you know team marie martin great story but he's he's bottomed out it's time to get rid of him um or some of these other guys that might be stinking it up in there. But you know, if you're trading out at Tedesco or you know Dylan Brown or some of these other guys, you're better off just looking for downgrades elsewhere. And that's where someone like a Seve comes in being in the centre wing, which is a spot where you've got plenty of options to sort of make that kind of work for you. Um, look, I do need to look at the vice-captains and captaincy options in this one because of that record with the Broncos. Uh, Munster is coming off a, a game at 43, 44. Wasn't a good week for Munster owners. And Harry Grant, you know, as we thought, probably you know, wasn't quite as good post-origin. But this is a matchup versus the Broncos at Amy Park Wilfred where they've got massive wood over them for seven years now, as you said. Is this a vice-captaincy Munster hoping for a Munster masterclass against the Broncos where he might throw up, you know, 130 like he did in round nine versus Dragons? Yeah, absolutely. I'm expecting 100-plus for both Harry Grant and Cam Munster this round. <laughs> Very scared not owning Munster myself. Uh, quick break to talk about the fantastic sponsor of the All-Stars podcast in Topsport, topsport.com.au. You can go to or you can download. They're really easy to use app and have a punt with them today. Certainly gamble responsibly, but if you do like to have a punt, go and check them out because they are 100% Australian-owned bookmaker. They often have best odds in the market for sports, but also for racing as well. And if you love betting on super coach type stuff, they do have their own fantasy player performance markets that you can bet on today too, on overs and unders, on, on point scoring. And it's all based on the actual NRL.com stats too. So that's a lot of fun. And if you're going to create an account with them, make sure that you use the promo code for this podcast. And that is SC All Stars, all one word, 
That way they'll know you're one of our listeners and they'll take fantastic care of you. But topsport.com.au, go get on them today. Sharks vs. Titans, Wilfred. Uh, now, this one is a salivating matchup for Supercoach. There's uh, some interesting storylines in this one. Um, one of the funniest ones is probably on the Sharks side because they've got no changes, although Dale Nukin might be back. But it was expected that there was going to be changes because nowhere, no one ever said that Talakai was going to be out except for Supercoach, who had this update on there that caused a bit of a storm that said that uh, Talakai was going to be out for this game and next week. That's not the case. Uh, and the Titans, we've got AJ Brimson returning. And that's probably just about it as far as a Supercoach relevancy. But Talakai is playing Wilfred. Um, I'm not sure where that came from. Did you actually see you know, how that came about? Yeah, it, it just showed up in the player notes and news in the Supercoach app. And basically, there's nothing else anywhere else. And that's since been deleted. So I don't know if it was just someone mucking around. <laughs> you know, they just an intern or something, work experience kid, just decided to shove it in there and maybe they were trolling someone else who, who you know, they're playing head-to-head against and had Talakai or was considering training them in or something like that. Who knows? Well, they're probably getting work experience somewhere else now, but um, let's... Uh... Yeah, it's not great, but, like, it seems, you know, he's been obviously selected for this game. He's been selected for, uh, you know, the rep round as well, so I can't see him copying a, a punishment at this stage. I'm still surprised, obviously, you know, you know, in terms of the offense of what he did itself, that's yeah, just expired registration or whatever, but it's the fact that he didn't tell the NRL, he didn't tell his club either that he actually had to go to court. Uh, I think that's probably not a great look. And I was wondering if they might sit him for a week as a bit of a punishment, but yeah. It seems like a finable offense to me. Like I I thought, you know, if they're going to punish him and just find him two grand or something, it's not. um... Yeah, that that could very well be the case. But it's just the fact that we don't see anything is, you know, makes you a little bit nervous, think does something else happen later or whatever. But uh, yeah, I I wouldn't be too worried at this stage since they haven't sent anything out or, you know, there's been no confirmation of it and he keeps getting picked. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's all fine at the moment. So don't worry too much about it, but. Molotalo and Talakai are both the ninth and 10th most traded in players for this game. And with good reason. You know, the Sharks had their great run starting last week. Uh, I was massive on Talakai and Molotalo. Uh, and I was also quietly confident on my Sione Katoa. Uh, and he got a hat trick as a pod. Still didn't score as much as Ronnie, though. So that was annoying. But <laughs> Talakai, 79 points last week, 65 the week before. Uh, and his base, base attack, he's back up into the 40s the last couple of weeks pretty easily. So. 550,000, break even at 47. Titans, Bulldogs still to come, and then the round 17 cover. Um, not many people are talking about Talakai. Maybe they've been scared off about everything else. Um, maybe they're thinking that guys like Mulatalo have a higher ceiling, but Talakai is a guy that put back-to-back weeks of 114 and 165 together. The 114 was against uh, the Storm in round six, and they're going to be depleted for that buy round. I still love him as a buy, Wilfred. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly would be... If, if people have Militalo, I wouldn't be worried about getting Talakai in at all. And I, I think he's a cracking one, especially with his dual secondary forward center wing. And he's shown it in the last couple of weeks. He might be rounding back into form. Yeah, I mean, I, I have both, uh, Ronnie and, and, and Sifra as well. I think it might just be the fact that uh, Talakai is already 33% uh, rostered. So that might be why there's not much chat about him and all the focus mm. is getting in Ronnie or or getting Sione uh, on the other wing. I actually thought about grabbing both wingers last week. I <laughs> thought they were going to do well 
against the Warriors. And oh, I did the same thing, but I'm on the reverse, right? So I've got Katoa, and I could have gone Milutalo, and I actually went Papali'i because I haven't owned him the whole time and looked at that Bulldogs game with him running at the Bulldogs edge. I went, oh, he's going to get like 120. I can't afford and... that in every <laughs> head-to-head that I'm in. And yeah. then he just, he was ter- I, I, I can't tell you how many how much I wish that I did that and just had the extra 200 grand, <laughs> but I would have had Talakai Katoa. And Militalo, the same conundrum that you would have had in your center wing. And it just, I looked ahead at some of the matchups and went, oh, I, I might not want to play the Sharks for that one. And I've got three of them. Yeah, I guess the only benefit is that Talaka, I've actually got him in my second row at the moment. So mm. it kind of, it probably e- easier to balance. Uh, having that dual position is pretty handy there. Uh, look, I, I don't think it's an issue to have three outside backs from the Sharks. Like we've seen it in the past where you could easily load up. I mean, you could have three outside backs from the Panthers this year. As long as they're a top four offense and they're scoring plenty of points and they're going to the wingers and, and obviously the centers are getting involved as well. You know, it's been a proven strategy to work in the past, like uh, not to <laughs> not to toot my own horn, but that's one of the reasons I won 2016. I had the three Raiders outside backs from mm. quite early on. And they were the second highest scoring team uh, in, in the NRL. And obviously having the goal kicker in Croker and then, Rappiner and BJ were just unstoppable all year long. So it could be very viable to have three outside backs from the Sharks going the rest of the year. And, you know, again, three Panthers, kind of that, that could be a strategy. Like it could really work given how successful, you know, Targo may, and obviously we know how good Brian Tor is for Supercoach. So honestly, I could see people running with that combo and, and being successful with it. Uh, it's a massive option. Um, Militale's got 106 points himself. He's now up to 634,000. It's a lot to play, but he has actually peaked at over 700,000 already this season, and he will do so again the way he's playing at the moment. Um, Titans and Bulldogs are the next two. So I think that your last chance on on spending that type of money is now. You want to get the benefit of those matchups. I will say, you know, for someone like me, after the buy, he does have the Cowboys away in Townsville and then the Panthers away at Panthers Stadium. That's a pretty bad round 18 and 19 to be playing, you know, Katoa and Militalo and Talakai. Uh, and that's kind of what put me off it last week. Uh, but after that, the Sharks do have the best run. I've said it a lot of times on the podcast, but, you know, uh, so is everyone else really as well. You want to have Sharks for the run home. So you know, I've got Talakai and Katoa. Um, I still may very well get Militalo this week. You've just got to plan ahead for that round. 18 and 19 games and what you're sort of going to do there. But Talakai can have decent base. Um, and if you cop a bad score from Militalo and you, you bench Katara or something like that, you know, there's worse things that you, that could happen for those couple of weeks. Definitely. Just even just having the depth, if you've got depth and you can run, a, you know, like if you've still got, say, someone like a Jake Bukraz <laughs> hanging around by around 18 or 19, like the Bulldogs matchups aren't that tough, relatively speaking, mm. compared to the Cowboys and Panthers. So, for a one-week spot start, that's perfectly fine from from my perspective. So I, I guess that's something to, to keep in mind as well. Like if you can manage it, just having them already, you know, help helps out in round 17. Uh, and then, I, you know, we've spoken about it, I think, the head-to-head finals, right, round 21 and 24. Like your Sharks pretty much have the best schedule, like Dragons, Tigers, Seagulls, and then the Bulldogs, which I guess if the Bulldogs are – yeah, they're improved, but I still think at this stage they're still like a bottom four team. So, yeah, that's a that's a really good run home for the Sharks. And and you know, head to head grand finals against the Bulldogs. That's 
Can't get much better than that, really. Yep, 100%. And the Gold Coast this week, you know, focusing on this game, I'm expecting all the Sharks backs to basically do what they did last week against the Warriors. It's a really good matchup for them. And like Wilfred said, the Sharks are like the anti-Raiders for 2022. You know, the Raiders' outside backs don't score their tries, but the Sharks' outside backs score most of their tries. The, the Sharks' forwards aren't, aren't big try scorers. Uh, and neither is their halves, despite how good Nicholas Hines has been playing. He doesn't actually score a mountain of tries himself. So their outside backs are going to continue to get tries for the duration of the year. Gold Coast Titans this week is a massive game for Mulatalo uh, and Talakai as well. We don't talk about the Gold Coast Titans too much on this podcast, and I need to remedy that right now. Tino, big fella, he's actually started to fulfill his promise the last month of footy. And it has to be noticed. I know that he scored two tries on the weekend, Wilfred, for 123 points. But, you know, the weeks before, he still went 72, 59, 69. And he had 49 raw base last week. But the, the three weeks before, it was 62, 50 and 63. There's no denying, you know, the, the last month, he's, he's certainly improved. And even this year, he's improved. He's gone from a 56-point average in 2021 to a 64-point average now. And he's a dual front row forward, second row forward at 589,000 with a single-digit break even. That means his base raw has gone over 50, but he's actually getting some attack. He's got four tries this year, which is already better than what he did last year. So it needs to be noticed. Um, I'm still on the fence whether it's going to continue, but even in origin, I thought he played quite well. So maybe the young fellow who's just turned 22 is actually turning the corner and he is going to become super coach relevant at the Titans. I'm not going to pay to find out. I did want to mention it, but he's on a bit of a tear. Yeah, definitely. And it might be something to just keep an eye on and, and maybe post-origin you can look at him again. It's just obviously not the right time of the season to be looking at someone like Tino who does play origin and doesn't help with round 17. But yeah, you're right. It's a, certainly very eye-catching the way he's been playing. I mean, he he's definitely better as a middle forward than you know when he was previously used as a bit of an edge, uh, edge forward attacking option at the Storm. Whereas, yeah, for the Titans, he's definitely doing his best work in the middle. So captaincy option for this one, all vice captaincy. Nico Hines disappointed a lot of players last week with a 61. Uh, I will say to people, he would have scored 80s if he kicked his goals. So that was a, a big deal. You know, it didn't look like he did very much at all. Had pretty low base and he still would have scored 80s if he just kicked reasonably, not even all of them. So yeah, that's not bad, but there's no denying that three out of his last four games, he's gone sub 61. Uh, and that's not good. He hasn't turned up since round nine, which is unlike him because of how he is playing for the first eight weeks of the year, nine weeks of the year. Gold Coast Titans this week. I'm not going to be scared off by last week, Wilfred. He's 100% my vice captain. Anyone that can go massive to a 185-point type of score like he did against the Warriors in round nine, I'm going to double up and put the VC on again. And he does play before Cleary, which works out quite well, uh, unless you've got them both at halfback. So I'm all over a VC Hines for this one. Yeah, definitely agree. It's very viable to to run that combo. So, yeah, I, I would have no objections to that, even if you put the straight C on him. Uh, it's worth noting, though, this is in Coffs Harbour, I think, uh, this game. It's, so it's not really a home game for the Sharks or, or the Titans. Uh, but it probably doesn't make a huge difference, honestly. Uh, top sort bit of the week on this one. Ronaldo Mulatalo is only $1.58 to score a try any time. Uh, you can go on a dollar sixty-five for Sione Katoa. I, I like both of those guys to score probably. Next game, Warriors versus Panthers may not be that competitive either. Aitken and Valia are both 
top 10 traded out players. There's no reason to talk about either of them. I don't even want to talk about Cleary. He's the top five most traded in player. I can't believe people have sold him. And I've mentioned that for a month on the podcast when people were selling Nathan Cleary. He's now got a ton on the weekend. A lot of people captained him, so it really stung. And lo and behold, people are scrambling to get him back in. He only dropped 21,000 last week. So just crazy to me, but I don't want to talk again about clearing. So let's talk about someone that we don't talk about enough. One of my favorite tradings last week, if you didn't care about the buyers, Wilfred, was Brian Toto. He's now the eighth most traded in player this week. And he absolutely carved last week. Looked fantastic. Looked the Brian Toto of old and was getting his attack like I thought that he would. People are trading him in this week in droves, and I think they should be. He scored 116 points with a double against the Knights, 71 against the Cows the game before, 44 in raw base last week, 50s base base attack. Coming up against the Warriors, you know, it, if you're not too worried about the buyers, he is the bargain buy of the week. 564,000 to get Brian Ty in and just keep him for the rest of the year, especially when he's going to come out of that origin period in round 18, play the Tigers. You know, this is the perfect time to get him. So I, I love him as a as a counter to like a Militalo buy. Um, Militalo's doubled his ownership at the moment, although Militalo is still a pot at 6.5%. Militalo should go up to about 10%. Toto isn't going to even reach 5% uh, with the current buying patterns that are happening. So he is going to be an extreme pod for someone who was the best center wing last year, who has a pretty good immediate draw coming up as well. So love Brian Toto for this week as a buy, especially if you don't need the round 17 number. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, I mean, I, I'd i been talking about him for head-to-head players as an option since like round 10 or 11 or whatever. And I think the first week I mentioned it, he scored 29. So it wasn't so good. But then since then, 71 and obviously last week's 110 or 116 or whatever it was. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's improved since that first round. Uh, yeah, look, it's hard to argue, right? He's just so good for Supercoach and... When he plays with the Panthers, you know they're going to score tries, and he's he's a great finisher. And I think he's actually better as a finisher on the right edge mm. than he is um, on the uh, on the left wing. So, yeah, no, no complaints at all about that call. One thing that people need to also do is is juggle, you know, the point scoring and the run home when you've got the lack of trades with round seventeen, like we spoke about in the strategy at the start, you know. This might be one of those ones where you go, look, you know what? I'm not going to be able to hit round 17 quite as hard as I want to, but Brian Toto might be able to score as many points over the next month of football as what someone playing round 17 will that I'll get in. And then he's going to be someone on the run home that I'm going to have that I'm not going to have to burn another trade on. And maybe you can't afford to do that. So you really need to balance that out. And also buying guys at value is really important. You know, if you have to pay 700000 for Brian Toto in a month, it's going to be a lot harder than 560000 thousand now. So if I, if I could have the perfect world trades this week, it would be Tyo and Mulatalo in, and those would have been the same perfect world trades I would have made last week as well. Love him this week. Uh, I wouldn't quite go as far to do a VC because we do have a bloke called Nathan Cleary playing in this one, <laughs> and, and it's, he's going to be fairly rested up as well because he didn't have a tough one last week and he's got no origin to back up from here. He scored 106 points last week fairly comfortably. Um, I'm... I'm putting the C on him for sure because this smells like a Nathan Cleary 150-plus. The, the Warriors have the worst defense in the league. They concede a mountain of points to center wings for super coach. Nathan Cleary, he might even set a new record this week. Honestly, like I, I don't want to be too down on the Warriors, but I, the Panthers should absolutely destroy them this week. I have to agree, honestly. <laughs> I don't think that you can really argue against that. Uh, the Warriors, you know, they showed some fight and and fair enough, but even... 
Like I didn't think the Sharks played particularly well, and they still scored thirty four points. Mm. So the Panthers are merciless; they they will not let up. So, it, you know, do the Panthers hit fifty? Uh, very well could happen. So you'd think if that's the case, Cleary's going to be looking at at least one hundred and twenty on that scoreline. Yeah, my big call is going to be 130 plus for Nathan Cleary in this one. Uh, top sport bet of the week. Jeez, what type of line do you think top sport have cooked up for this one? Only minus 26 and a half, which is better than a couple other bookmakers. Um, I would take the minus 26 and a half, honestly. Dollar 90 for that. Just get in on it. And if you really want to get some value, throw both of the uh, the wingers in for the Penrith Panthers and that dollar 90 minus 26 and a half. And you're going to get close to 10 to 1 odds. Uh, I think it comes out at about $7.90 or something like that. So. Yeah, I, phew, Panthers, uh, this is a week that you want as many Panthers as you can muster and you'll rock it up. Next game of the round is Roosters versus Eels. Surprisingly, there isn't um, as many talking points for this one, so it's going to be a quick one. Um, with the changes, obviously the Eels went poor last week, but they've persisted. They haven't made the changes, which I find a bit bizarre. You know, Sean, Lyon and, Sean Lane and Nick Corre are playing big minutes at the moment. Maddo and IPAT played less minutes than what they have been uh, last week. I don't think that helps them. And hopefully Brad Arthur will see that. For the Roosters, I think it's actually the Roosters' strongest side of the year. They've added in Verrills uh, at hooker, uh, which puts Watson and Hutchison on the bench, which might actually change. Uh, and the other thing too is that Kiri actually got named as well and Momorowski got dropped, which I would much rather have Billy Smith based on form than Momorowski there, because at least Billy Smith has got some upside. I don't, I don't think Momo's doing too well this year. So I, I really like this one, Wilford, but from a super coach perspective, people are trading out Kiri. And, I, I, you know, there's not a huge amount of ownership, um, but there's no one being traded in. And this is one of those games where I, even as a Roosters fan, Wilf, I, I really don't know what's going to happen. The Roosters, I thought, played pretty well last week. If Satili Tupinor caught that kick with about seven or eight minutes to go. I think the Roosters would have won, but he bombed it. Um, and yep. the Eels, like just, uh, I, I had like 10 multis riding on the Eels, as you know, and I couldn't, I was already yeah. counting my money uh, and it was yeah. going to be a lot of money off about 50 bucks across the 10 and I couldn't believe it, but they could not have played worse. It was, um, it was bad to watch. If I was an Eels fan, I'd be really disappointed. Normally, when a team is quality, though, they kind of bounce back the next week, right? And also, normally, when a team plays a hard one against the Storm, they're they're a bit you know sore and uh, not as good the next week. So uh, it's an interesting matchup. I don't, I'm not sure whether I'd be buying either of these play, uh, sides players for Supercoach this week. Yeah, I think uh, I'd have to agree, especially with what Brad Arthur's doing with you know the likes of Isaiah Papali'i. I mean, you know, when you get the Dally M second row of the year. You just leave him on the edge and play him 80 minutes. Like, it's not rocket science. You don't have to shift him into the middle no. and rotate him and sub him and all that type of stuff. It's, I mean, obviously, we don't know if he's carrying an injury or, or if he needs to be managed or whatever, but it doesn't look like he's struggling. When he's on the field and playing, he looks fine. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's baffling, honestly. But I think uh, you're right. It's going to be a good game to watch, I think. Uh, no doubt the, the Eels will be... Um, Know, hoping for a bit of a bounce back and also a bit of revenge, right? The Roosters did him in not too long ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it did it really easy too. They, they came back, it was a 31-24 Roosters win, but the Roosters yeah. were up like, I think, 20-0 you know, very quickly um, and they really just put them to the sword in the first half. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it is one where, you know, I, I do think, you know, as a Teddy owner, I'm pretty happy. 
Um, and even as a Manu owner, like I do think Joey Manu can cause those outside backs for the Eels a lot of problems because, I mean, if the Bulldogs can, uh, Joey can as well. So you think him playing 5-8, if let's say Kiri is out and that's the way they decide to go, do you think that would be beneficial for his scores or do you think he actually might actually score worse for Supercoach? Um, I think against worse sides, it's better. Um, yep. And I think against the Eels, it'll even out. Whereas, you know, he's going to have his hands on the ball more and he'll just come into his his base-base attack by running as a running 5-8, which is what he'll be told to do. Whereas, you know, he's less exposure to possession, will be fine at centre because he'll probably get a try or LBA, TS at, at a minimum. So, yeah, I, I think it's much of a much. So I think he's still going to be a pretty good play this week. Um, and really, you know, a dark horse Teddy, you know, could come up with a big one. He only scored 50 last week but he likes playing against the Eels and he's got some massive games against them in the past. Yeah, I was going to say, like the Eels have shown themselves to be fairly susceptible to scores from fullbacks in the past. Uh, like even last year, I think, you know, it, it was it was Turbo, but I think Turbo had like 190 and 170 or something against the Eels or, or something ridiculous like mm. that. It was just insane. And yeah, I mean, last time they played, uh, hang on, what, what did Teddy score? Um, yeah, remember. he he scored a solid sixty-two, so not that well. But he was coming off one hundred and twenty-six, so maybe that was what you were thinking of. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, that's yeah. I, I, I was thinking like he surely had a score around then that was quite over a hundred because I had him in my team. I was pretty happy but with a it. A few <laughs> years ago, he scored one hundred and eighty versus him, and I remember very fondly because I captained him. So um, and I've spoken about that many times before in this podcast. So whenever the eels come up, because I have to mention it to Billy. But um, yeah, he does yeah. have that 180 against him. He has has had some really good scores. His average score against him is 82, which on his averages is is pretty high. I think it's his third best yeah. average out of anyone um, as far as opposition goes. So he loves playing the Eels. So anyone that was looking at like a Teddy to an Ezra or a Drinkwater, don't do it. Just hold Teddy. Tots will better the week on this one. I'm going to take the plus one and a half points for the Roosters at $1.90. Pretty good. Raiders Knights... Second last game, not as much to talk about in this one, but there is a couple of big talking point forwards that I want to touch on. In Market Watch, big trading at the moment, Joe Tarpany. Everyone is jumping on. Uh, I'm lamenting not getting him for the buy round, but I'm going to say, Wilfred, I'm just going to throw over to you because he had like five effective offloads on the weekend. Uh, scored a 61 in raw base. That's the fourth week in a row he's had a 60-plus raw base, going 61, 65, 60, and 61. With the five offloads in the TBs, 95 points in 54 minutes. The last four weeks, he has played more minutes than what he was the rest of the year. Most of his minutes were in the 40s. That's the whole reason I want to buy him. And all of a sudden, he's averaging about 57 minutes a game over the last month of footy, which is you know 10 plus minutes more than what he was averaging. So I was all about staying off because of the minutes. You know, all of a sudden, he's got a five-round average of 73 and a three-round of 82. His minutes are flying. There isn't really any reason for it other than Ricky playing in more minutes. Do you see him as a, a great trade in at just under 600K with a 30s BE? Or do you think that he might actually revert to what he was doing before? You know, I, I always have a problem trusting Ricky with the forward rotations. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't trust Ricky Stewart as much as it pains me to say this. And look, maybe you know I gave that advice a, a, a number of weeks ago with when it came to Adam Elliott and, and you know even... Joey Tarpane, like as around 13 purchase. I just can't do it. Like Ricky Stewart changes his mind all the time. And all it takes is one or two bad losses. And these minutes will change again. The the rotation will change. Uh, it's just a nightmare, basically. And 
you know, they've been playing well and they've obviously won, I think, what, four from the last six or whatever. Mm. But you'd have to wonder, like, they should have beat the Broncos last week, the way the Broncos were smashed. And I will say, like, Tarpanay really benefited in the second half because the Broncos had, like, no subs left. So they were gassed. So Tarpanay was making easy, easy meters. And they Much easier to offload as well when they died. Exactly, exactly. And so many of his offloads were coming in the second half when the Broncos were pretty much out of it. So I I do feel like that's a bit of, uh, of you know, a bit misleading, I guess you could say, because he's he had six effective offloads. And... He's never like his highest beforehand was three for this year. So I just don't see it happening again. And, you know, if, if you think he's going to maintain a 50 minute average for the rest of the season, he's perfectly fine. I think he might be a little bit overpriced based off what he is now. And that's probably my own hesitation there. Like, if you're well, comparing you're paying like $60,000 to upgrade Huss to him at the moment, well, that's it. And I think the other thing is, as we've talked about, like, if, if you're talking about between Lolo and Tarpane as a purchase, then you've got to go Lolo, right? Because he's so much cheaper. Uh, if you had Lolo already and, and you know, Tarpane is your other option, I, I think, you know, is he going to let you down? Probably not. But if you, I'd be looking at like someone like a Clemmer or even like a Joe Offerhengawe who's going to cover around 17. And, you know, just he might, they might score very similar to what Tarpane is going to dish out. Yeah. Look, one of the things, with the Raiders is that it's just they've got so many forwards, like we said, and you just don't know what's going to happen. He is playing his old club in Newcastle, so he'll probably be fired up for it. But I just, I just, I can't talk anyone out of it because of how he's been going. But look, you'd want to have trades in hand to be able to get him out if he starts getting 43 minutes, 44 minutes, because it, it can easily happen. But, you know, for the positive and buying him, this is a Joe Tarpanay that I've bought many times in the past. And this is the type of player that I've always envisaged him as. He just always gets kneecapped for one reason or the other, whether it's an injury or whether it's minutes or or the team or whatever. It just always doesn't come to fruition. Maybe this is a year that he puts it all together for the second half. He is 18% owned though. So he's going to be in the 20s after this week very comfortably in ownership. And that's not going to really get you far. But what is going to get you far is not getting on him and grabbing someone else that's a pod. Um, so, you know, you, chasing a Jerry Tuppany with a pod is much more palatable to me as a strategy than trying to do it on like a stud outside back or spine player because I think that you've got more chance of that happening because it's very easy for a Tuppany to throw up a 45 to 50 and you can catch up that way. And the next, the only other guy that we're going to talk about in this one is going to be one of those guys. Barnett, he's starting on an edge again uh, and he's very cheap and he... Is someone who in the past, Wilfred, has always had really good super coach pedigree, but a little bit similar to Tarpanay, he always lets us down, you know, whether it's through suspension, injury, or or the coach, you know, playing him less minutes because when he plays 13, he's a bit of a dud. But, you know, he played 13 last week, played 56 minutes and still scored 61. But he's only going to be about 450,000. And he is going to play round 17. And he is going to play, you know, a tougher away game against the, the, the Raiders this week. But then he gets to play the Titans edge, which give up a lot of points. So as someone who is 150K less and that plays around 17 and it is a massive pod, you know, if he maintains an 80-minute role on the edge, he will be a 65-plus player, as we've seen in the past. And he also is someone who, when you look at his past seasons, he's finished off these seasons as like an 80-minute edge player. It's happened a couple of years out of the last three where that's transpired. So... 
he's someone that you could take a punt on and not have to spend for. Um, and as someone who has a, a price tag of spending of under 500, uh, Keon Kolomatangi and Mitchell Barnett are the two guys I'm looking at for round 17 and for this week's purchases if I get afford him. Yeah, I think you and I have been looking at the same players because, yeah, Barnett's <laughs> on my radar too uh, for all the reasons you listed. The reason he's prob- probably not going to end up in my team is Adam O'Brien. I cannot trust that guy as much as I trust Ricky Stewart. So Coaches you know, really need I, to get on board with Supercoach, don't they? Like, we need to start giving them like, you know, their own prize pool and, and teams and stuff and just <laughs> try and get them involved so they can stop doing this to us. I know, right? How dare they muck around with my my super coach players minutes when I need them to be on the field and scoring points for me. (laughs) Come on, have some, have some respect. No, look, the thing with Adam O'Brien is he's, you know, there's, there's talk obviously that his job's at risk and he's probably going to try find a solution. Barnett's not going to be around come next year. So I wonder if he might be one of the options that ends up missing out. So that's probably my major concern there uh, between obviously yeah, Adam O'Brien and, and the fact that he is leaving next year. So, yeah, and it's a valid concern. Um, his his price point makes it really really good. But if you're sub four hundred, like just that extra fifty k, you know he he'd be very very palatable because there's so much. Uh, there's not really much downside, but it is a bit of a risk because of what Wilfred said. I and I agree with that. You know his role could change at any point. But if it doesn't, you're going to get a massive bargain that plays round seventeen. That's going to score you sixty five plus on an edge playing eighty. Top sport bet of the week for this second last game of the round. We've got the Knights at 380 and plus 10 and a half. I think the Raiders are going to win, um, provided that Caitlin Ponger is all fine, though. I might actually take a stab at that plus 10 and a half. One of the things that, that one of my friends like likes doing as a Raiders fan, he, he always says, you know, go the, the halftime full-time, you know, because the Raiders always <laughs> lose. So if you go like Raiders to lead at the half and then and then the other team to win, you get like an 80 to 90% win percentage on that because <laughs> whenever they lose, they're always leading at the half. Aiders are going to fade. There's a little tip. <laughs> uh, look, the last game of the round, it isn't a blockbuster. The Bulldogs versus the West Tigers. Um, Hastings is the 10th most traded player out. I think there's a big one for this one. You know, there's no, there's nothing else on market watch. There's no other big VE looks, but Karaz, for everyone that held him last week, and I did say on the podcast, Wilfred, he, out of like the other guys that you could get rid of in your centre wing, you know, Karaz, I was much keener to hold because he is someone did show the upside. And he did have the Tigers coming up as well. Scored 98 against the Eels, which I didn't quite... Um, didn't quite expect, but now he's got another negative break even at 335k. It looks like he'll easily get over the 400k mark. But not only that, you know, I was looking ahead going, I'll play him against the Tigers this week and I'm gonna. Um, so I'm glad I held Karaz. And I, I think that he's a play this week versus the Tigers, especially if he ends up back at center like he moved during the game last week. Yeah. Um, again, I, I'm glad I held too. I wasn't really going to trade him out. I had other <laughs> bigger issues to deal with, but I do know some people saw the break even, saw his poor scores the week before and wanted to get him out, um, which, yeah, I think obviously that's a, that's been shown to be a mistake given his score last week. And, yeah, I'm keen to play him this week as well. And, you know, like both Nofaluma and also Momolo are both very uh, – let's just say, susceptible in defence uh, coming in off their wings. So I would not be surprised if both Adokar and Karaz do what they did last week and, and score well. So I'm actually thinking the Bulldogs are a genuine chance to win this one. 
I think the dogs will. Um, I think they looked really good last week. They're, they're one of the one of the great moves I've said I made was also one of the worst ones in that I I had Matt Burton all for his five weeks of great scores until last week, uh, basically for the run that started. But then I sold him last week, and that was an absolute killer. I sold him to Ezra, so it wasn't too bad. But yeah, he just looked so good last week. And this Tigers matchup for Matt Burton, like you could argue, if you're chasing it head to head, and you need a pod captain at the end of it. I would throw a C on Matt Burton as a Hail Mary because he could come through for you. Um, this is a fantastic matchup for him. You couldn't possibly buy him at over 600K, but, geez, I wish I still owned him. Um, TPJ, I do still own, and he's starting at lock, and that poses another interesting Bulldogs question for owners, Wilfred. No one owes TPJ, so it's just me that's sitting here happy that he's starting at lock. And he's uh, gonna make play I also own him. Oh, there's two of us. I wonder <laughs> yeah. who the other person was. That's I told great. you. I couldn't make the Pangai to Lolo train. (laughs) So I thought you jumped off. Uh, There we go. We're going to make a good couple this week because we'll be pretty happy. Um, TPJ should be a a really good play this week. And I think that he's going to really step up against the Tigers. But it does mean that you do have King moving to front row forward. Um, Do you think that he's as good a play at front row forward as what he has been um, in the back row? I honestly don't know. Like, does it... Does it really make much difference? I feel like he plays the same either way. It's just about a minutes in the end for him, isn't it? Well, yeah, and it's. I'm not sure that he's going to get the same minutes because um, I, I sort of think that um, TPJ is sort of back to full strength, you'd think, and that's going to make him take more middle minutes unless they try and move him to the edge or something because uh, the last three weeks in a row, he's gone 57, 55, and 57 minutes for Max King, and that's more minutes than he's played all year. So, you know, you'd have to wonder whether that's going to continue when he's not going to be in a 12 or 13 jersey. And I think with Pangai only coming back from his back spasms last week, like I feel like his minutes might go up. He only played 49, mm. um, which, I mean, not probably more than I expected. But, yeah, there's uh, there's potential there for Pangai to, to, to go up a little bit more. He played 56 uh, the, in round 11, and, and he's had like 60 and 75, although some of those were – minutes on the edge as well. So it's it's hard because we just haven't seen too much of Pangai under Mick Potter to, to see what his plans are to use him because, you know, for Supercoach, his best is when he's playing 80 um, on an edge. But for actual NRL, I feel like he's he's actually been most effective when he plays as a, you know, a real impact middle where he, he goes nuts for like 15 minutes at a time, but he then gets like five, 10 minutes to recharge and then go again. Yep. So there's you know, lots of subs for him, basically. So he's constantly coming on and off the field. But, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see how Mick Potter wants to use him. Yeah, I would actually bench Max King this week. Um, I, I I think that he's going to get less minutes. Um, for the Tigers, Adam Dewey uh, is meant to be returning, but he looks like that he's going to be coming in from the bench. So maybe he doesn't return this week. Maybe he does. I think it depends on his trading run this week. But he's massively expensive, although... It's going to make for a good buy next year, Wilfred, because he should be pretty cheap. <laughs> um, or maybe sort of if you're in draft, I'd, I'd be targeting him as a cheap buy because he could come good for the last two months of the season. But there is one last guy that I want to talk about in this one. He's a Tiger to give the Tigers fans a bit of love. I've mentioned this guy before, but Luke Garner is still sub 500K. And he's the third guy on my sub 500K list that's playing around 17 that I might want to look at if I get a Ford this week. He's got 71 last week against the... Um, the Manly Seagulls, and lo and behold, the Manly Seagulls edge has come through again, letting in a try to an edge back rower. Uh, and he did play the Bulldogs in round 11 and also got a try that week against that edge. 
scoring 84 points against the Dogs only a month ago. So the Dogs this week, the Warriors, and then a possibly depleted Parramatta Eels in round 17. Um, and he's a dual second round forward centre wing, which is something that Keon Kolamatangi and Mitchell Barnett are not. 485,000. Absolute point, only 1% or 2% owned at the moment. Not going to go up much either. Um, he is a Tigers option, if there is any. And I'm... I have looked at him quite a bit and I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but these next two weeks, I could probably see Luke Garner going 75 to 80 with a couple of tries again. He scored four out of his last five weeks, Wilfred. I think if Lucy leaves again, that just shores up his spot and you can pretty much lock him in for 80 for the rest of the season, even though technically he's, you know, off to the Panthers next year too. But the Tigers are just running out of edge back rowers. They have pretty much Garner and Tuilangi left as uh, actual back rowers who aren't injured or, or otherwise, you know, not in the club anymore. So, yeah, it's it's a tough one because at the same time, you know, the Tigers are the Tigers, but you can't argue with what Garner's been putting out there. I mean, I think he's got like four games now playing on the edge in the actual back row, mm-hmm. and he's got 65, 84, 48, and 71. But as you pointed out in there, there's been two, actually three tries. Yep. So that's a little bit, you know, he's obviously a bit of a try scorer, but... You know, even his base base attack, 42, 57, 45, 46, which because he's center wing eligible, that's perfectly fine in the center wing. You know, it's kind of like Bo Firma, basically. <laughs> but, you know, one who plays around 17 and probably could hang around in the back, you know, as your fifth or sixth center wing for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I think that the um, the next two weeks is what solidifies it for him. Like, obviously around 17 too, but playing the Dogs and the Warriors back-to-back, like this is a really good time to be grabbing him. And if you're looking ahead as a head-to-head player, um, the grand final week, he's going to play the Dragons, which is another edge game that's quite good for him. So three-round average of 68, five-round average of 65. Hard to argue with his impact. And you know, it's a great trades this week are on offer for someone in that price range because you can go like Tui Pilotu straight to him as a basically a straight swap. And I think that works out really well for your center wing if you're looking at round 17. Yeah, again, you know, like I said, I was looking at someone around the sub 500k uh, price tag, and you know, someone like Garner could be some someone you use there for one or two weeks in the second row, and then bring him down to center wing when you trade out like a, a Cola who's maxed out or something like that. Uh, you know, prior to round 17. Yeah, and I think it's six out of their nine final games are all at home for the Tigers too which is a lot better for the Tigers because they don't travel too well. But, you know, he's not a must-buy or anything. Um, certainly would be better if you're going to have the trades to get him out later and you could play him for the next three weeks and do really well with doing that and then getting rid of him. But, look, top spot better of the week. I uh, I don't love this game, but I am going to take the Canterbury Bulldogs at $1.74. That's, that's really good value for the Dogs, I think. I am not sure what will happen, Wilford, but there's a couple of Bulldogs that are start, suddenly starting to score points. So... I guess the Tigers, you'd back them. Um, Burton is my favourite for this one and certainly a Hail Mary head-to-head player option if you need to chase. But that is the round. That is the podcast, Wilfred. Thanks very much for jumping on. Always great to talk footy with you and even better when you come onto a super coach one. Thanks for that, Barnsley. Like I said, always enjoy coming on, having a chat and especially working through some super coach. Uh, you gave me a few things to think about uh, and it's good again to have some validation knowing that you've looked at some of the players I've been looking at too. So it's not just me <laughs> on my own over there. <laughs> oh, you're, you're a gun, Wilfred. You won six years ago. Come on, give yourself a, give yourself a wrap. <laughs> you can listen to Wilfred on the, uh, the, 
the NRL Supercoach Champions podcast. Great podcast to listen to that you'll find everywhere that good podcasts are found. For our podcast here, the NRL All-Stars podcast, you can find us on Audible, Amazon, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, all those especially. And you can follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All-Stars. And do jump on Top Sport and have a look if you like to have a responsible gamble. Use the promo code SC All-Stars to create an account today. Good luck with TLT. Good luck with your trades this week. Big round of footy. Uh, Talk and footy episode of this podcast will be up on Friday. Can't wait to chat to you all again real soon. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. Get paid.